Money can be a very uncomfortable conversation if you do not have a good relationship with it. In this episode, Money Talk, Gwen and I are going to interview a financial advisor. Hopefully, we'll be able to provide some tips of ways that can help you get a better relationship with your money. And if you already have a good relationship with your money, maybe we'll be able to provide you more tips to make your journey and enjoy it. Welcome to Talkative Soul, a podcast that empowers women to create soulful ties with themselves to connect with what matters most. Here are your hosts, Gwen Tebow and Sia Chandler-Garcia. here with my girl and co-host Sia. Say hello, Sia. Good morning, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. Hey. Exactly. Exactly. So I, as you know, we get started, I always like to check in with you, friend. You, I just wanted to see how are you? How are you doing? Well, you know, um, we lost a family member here, a close one. Uh, one was in, yeah. It was a very close, uh, and you knew you know him as well. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. a surprise. But what I found in that um, situation is I found that death is real. I mean, I, I knew that was you know evident. That's everybody knows that. But it's the closeness that reminds you about death. And so we've had co- several deaths uh, within the last six months in our family. But this one was so close. Mm-hmm. It just reminded me death was real and that life yeah. is to be enjoyed. So that's right. um, yeah, I'm doing much better. My grieving process has come to, you know, it's leveled out and I'm not on the ebb and flow anymore. I'm really in a gracious place. Thankful for my life. Thankful for him being in our lives the time that he was. Yeah. And but right now, at this moment, as we speak, I am doing really, really good. How are you? That's good. Well, you know, <laughs> no, I don't. I know that's why you asked, right? Um, you know what? All things considered, you know, I am. I'm doing well. I'm in a good place. You know, really, no complaints. Uh, just in a very interesting uh, time in my life, but I am managing it. And I think that you made a great point about how death reminds us of, you know, you know, just how you know, short life is really, and how we're every day, we're really getting closer and closer to what's inevitable, right? And just understanding that, you know, we have to, you know, surround ourselves with the people that we love and remind them that we love them and make sure that we, we stay connected because we really don't know. Like you said, I mean, that, that happened, you know, um, fast, right? Mm -hmm. You weren't really expecting it. And Mm -hmm. so it's times like those that you have to just remember, you know what? And I really do try to live in this space that if someone crosses my mind, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if I just talk to them or whatever, I just stop and I make sure that I reach out because you just never know. Mm -hmm. And it may not necessarily be like a life or death situation, but it may be that that person needed something from you at that time. They needed to hear from you. They needed to be reminded Mm -hmm. that, you know, you love them or you appreciate them, that you're thinking of them, right? We all like to be thought of. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to remind ourselves to not get so busy that we don't make those connections. Indeed, Because heaven forbid, if something does happen and then we're reminded, oh, 
I was supposed to reach out to them. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be that much harder to transition through that. So um, I'm glad that you're doing okay. I'm glad the family's doing okay. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And I did. So listen, I want to share share, um, a a hallelujah moment or a um, celebratory moment. So I made it through my first year as being principal at Emily Griffith High School. Our graduation was awesome. Uh, We had close to 100 kids. So 94 students, actually, this is, we're we're considering these uh, students, the post COVID babies. And so they post COVID 94 students graduated from um, our school. And I'm so excited about that. And already rolling into summer school, we have 132 enrolled, which means by the fall, we should hit our 300 mark of having students (sighs) back in the building. Yes, ma'am. I'm so excited. And that's That's celebrated. Yes. And it's only my my second year of being principal. I mean, I've been in education like you and I talked before 30 years, over 30 years. And but this one is like on my way out, like yeah, peace out, education mm-hmm. in about mm-hmm. two, three mm-hmm. years. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so to go out on a high, girl, I feel like the the show yes. high fell. Yeah, I'm going out on top. So it's really that's it's a good awesome. Thing. So I did want to put that in there, drop that celebratory moment. So before we get thank you for sharing that. That is amazing, and I'm tripping that it's been a year already. I know. Like I feel like I just celebrated you getting that role. Mm-hmm. Right? Crazy how time flies. Indeed. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, well, listeners, thanks again for joining us for another insightful conversation. And this one is definitely going to be insightful and informative. And for this talk, I'm going to just turn it over to my girl, Sia. She's going to lead us in today's conversation. Take it away, Sia. All right. Today we have a special guest. Let me give you a brief intro about my guest or our guest, and then she can add things as needed uh, while we talk. Her name is Jaquita Rome. We call her Kitty. Uh, Kitty was born and raised in Oklahoma. She's been married to James Rose since uh, for 38 years. Um, She has two adult children and two grandchildren. Uh, she and her family moved to Colorado and or she and James moved to Colorado. Um, let's see in 1990. And last but not least, Kitty has, Oh, I got the numbers all messed up. Let's see. She's been in the industry for 38 years. She moved to Colorado in 1990. Kitty, you didn't tell me how many years you and James have been together. That's the question that I probably didn't put in the yet. Yeah. No, I put it in there. Where, where, how long you and James been married? I'm sorry, sis. I'm I'm overlooked at. My apologies. But very close to 38. <laughs> okay. 30, we've been married 37 years at the end of this month. Woo! Shut your wow. mouth. Congratulations. I need to press the applause button on that one. Yes. That's awesome. Just to get that kind of, because people are nosy, you know, sometimes that information ain't got nothing to do with ourselves. (laughs) We just want to know who's talking to us. (laughs) So I like, I just wanted them to know who I am going to be interviewing today. Um, Sia uh, and Gwen, as a couple, we have put a whole lot of things together conversation pieces together that we could talk about. And we decided that money this second season would be something we'd go more in depth about. We talked about it briefly, but it was more in getting yourself taken care of and your family business in order, uh, like taking care of funerals and insurance policies and things. We talked about that season one, but in season two, we thought we would just, you know, go deep and money conversations are very, you know, they're sensitive for some people. And so um, I'm a, a very, adamant believer that unless you do it, you don't know how it affects you. And so I started reading a book who was what that was introduced to me by Kitty. 
who is my financial advisor, uh, by the name of Money Works, Stop Being a Sucker. It's written <laughs> by Tom Matthews and Steve Siebold. And it's actually in the notes. So if those of you that uh, want to look at our notes at the end, I put a link in there to that website. But when Kitty did my literacy meeting with me a couple of years ago, we talked about what it's going to look like when I retire, how many credit cards I needed to pay off, how many bills I needed to take care of, what do I need I need to put in place so that I can live a decent life in retirement, can take into consideration my husband, our income. Um, she took the time to li- literally put a plan together for me. And then she introduced this book. And from this book, I actually put Kitty on the spot. And I said, I have family members that need to hear this. And I invited them to come to a Zoom because that was during the COVID time as well. I invited Kitty to come to a Zoom meeting and she did a a platform um, that addressed financial literacy. And I got so stoked about it. I bought everybody that was on the platform the book. And so now I'm inviting Kitty to kind of give a small you know, small overview of what it is that she talked to us about at that Zoom meeting. Um, So while we have her today, I want us to go over a few things that will help our listeners get a plan in place. And for those who have have a plan, maybe she can add a couple of nuggets to the plan to make it a big difference in your financial journey. So one thing we know for sure is money isn't going anywhere and everyone in our communities will deal with money in some fashion or another, whether it's in the form of paper, metal, plastic, stocks, bonds, life insurance policies, cryptocurrency. That's the new thing. And probably some other forms that I'm not aware of. What I would like to do, though, is give a brief overview before we get started with this of where money came from. And then I'm going to go right into some questions that I have for Kitty. So Briefly, in accordance to some information that I came up with during some research, here's a synopsis of what what was used for money and its journey to uh, paper form, and now it's digital form. So before there was paper, there was bartering and gifts and rocks and beans that they would trade. Then there was commodities, and that was in the era of where objects were being traded uh, for goods that had value to them. And then there was metal, and that's when you start getting into your coins, which then came coins, and then came paper. Uh, It's recorded that the first American dollar was made in the 1700s. It's two different sites. One of them says 1775, and the other one said 1776. So I just said, I tell you what, 1700s, that should cover it. And then credit cards came around in 1946. Uh, Digital money then came around in 1990. And then finally... Bitcoin showed its face in 2009. Um, that information can also be found. I put that link where I got this information at in our notes as well. Now that we've have an, we have an, an overview, I would like to address how we became or how to become money or financially aware of this tool. Some people are afraid of it. Some people have great relationships with it, but our goal today is to shine some light on how our listeners can get a great relationship with money and use it to the best of their ability to enjoy life, to make plans, to put some fears behind them through knowledge. So Kitty, you ready? Let's do this. My first question today is post-COVID, what have you found the mindset of people to be regarding finances? Thank you, Sia. And uh, first of all, I just wanted to thank you and Gwen for the opportunity to have a conversation uh, about uh, our financial future. So, so thank you for, for that. Um, 
Good question, Sia. The, the question I have is um, really, or the answer that I have really is prior to, to COVID, you know, when everyone was just in their, in their mode of, of working and, and spending money like crazy and really not doing a whole lot of focusing on, on saving. But when we had to stop, right, pretty pause, America just, mm. well, actually worldwide, I mean, everything just was placed on pause, mm. right? And so we didn't have an opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, to go out and spend money and, you know, hang out with family, friends, mm. you know, um, go to lunch, breakfast, whatever the case may be. So, mm-hmm. so the, even in my own personal life, actually. So when, when COVID came around, the pandemic came around, we just kind of stopped in, in our track, you know? And so we didn't have a choice but to, to save at that particular time. And so at that particular time, Americans mm. on average were saving about 20, anywhere between 25 and 30%, you know, of their, of their income, right? Yeah. And so now we're in a little bit different stage right now. So we're going out a little bit more. Um, we're opening things up now. And so savings is just kind of dropped a little bit. But yeah, when we were on pause mm-hmm. there, Sia and, and Gwen, we didn't have a choice but to save, right? So. <laughs> and so I'm um, just a priest, I mean, a, um, a second question to that. So when, as long as we're not having anything to do, basically you're saying there's no money that, that gets spent. So we say, but once the world is starting to open up again, what is, what do you see the trend in the spending for right now? Do you see people buying large items? Do you see people just kind of figuring, does it look like they're trying to catch up? And so they're buying clothing or, I mean, what do you see the trend in spending? Mm-hmm. Well, I think like? it's just kind of, I had a little, a different mindset, you know, with this, with this pause that we had. And so you now see Americans kind of looking at saving a little bit differently now, um, particularly with the death, mm-hmm. the many deaths that have occurred, you know, since since COVID, since the mm-hmm. pandemic, unfortunately. And so because of that, we're thinking about money a little bit different. And we, we need to, right? We need to really kind of focus on really mm-hmm. the importance of how, the importance of saving, but more importantly, how to save. You know, that's, that's the key is really mm-hmm. where to save. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that the banks is really not the, the best way. The bank is, is a great, it's a great tool, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it, but um, it is there for, one purpose and that's for liquidity. You know, if you, if you need cash right away, but in terms mm-hmm. of really saving, whether you're saving for emergencies, whether you're saving for burial, you know, whether you're saving for college education mm-hmm. for your children, grandchildren, whether retirement, you know, so we're looking at ways mm-hmm. of we're looking at money in, in terms of saving a little bit different uh, since, since, since the pandemic. So, um, the debt. I want to talk a little bit about debt because I know we all did a whole bunch of shopping online when we were mm-hmm. sitting at home at COVID <laughs> during COVID. What does the debt look like in our country? I mean, we hear those um, large, just massive numbers mm-hmm. at the national level. Um, but talking about your, you know, your community and you know what you guys see financially over overall, what does the debt look like with us? Credit cards. Yeah, unfortunately, like when and Sia, our debt continues to to rise. You know, um, credit cards will always be there. You know, and they will they will continue to be there, and so we continue to use that use a credit card. It's just for instant gratification. You know, um, you mentioned. You know, one of your questions was, you know, is debt good? Is it bad? You know, yes, 
Yeah. That's my next question. Yeah, what's, what's yeah. the difference between we, those? And it's good to have debt, right? There's a, there's a purpose behind debt. And, and that's yeah. that good debt that we talk about. And so, um, because, because that good debt, it brings that value to your network, right? So good debt could be something that you own, right? Such as your, your home, your land, um, anything that can build that net worth, mm -hmm. assets can appreciate in value, right? So if the debt you take out is okay. for the purpose of generating that income or generating that, that, that wealth for your family, building that net worth, it's a good thing, right? That, that bad debt, on okay. the other hand, as you mentioned, that credit card, you know, the credit card, those payday loans that you see on the, on the corner in mm -hmm. our communities. Oh my gosh, those things, mm -hmm. I wish they would go away. But your payday loans, your car loans, anything mm -hmm. that brings no value to mm -hmm. your asset, it just depreciates, you know, in value. So those are like your bad debts. It's not building anything of value, you know, in your overall um, strategies in terms of saving. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. I'm glad you broke that down because I know I've had some conversations with some of my close friends about good debt and bad debt. And I think sometimes we feel like uh, we are slaves to the credit card because we'll pay it up and then we'll use it again and pay it up. And but we keep forgetting that interest that that we're paying back. So we may have spent six thousand, but trust me, you're paying back eight by the time it's all over. And so I think people need to you know understand that it's it's okay to have a credit card. It's just when you don't have the control to make sure the credit cards are getting um, paid off. And that was one of my issues. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, in all transparency, um, as a single mom, and I was able to get a credit card, oh, I, I got excited and I got 10, I got 12, I got 14 credit cards. I was excited. And then <laughs> it came time to pay the credit cards. Okay, I'm being exaggerating about the 14 and the 12. And, but I had a good for good credit cards. And when it came time to pay them, paying the minimum took me forever to pay those things off. I literally ended up going into bankruptcy yeah. behind four credit cards. And I had department store credit cards. I had JCPenney's and I had um, your Visa and I had your regular MasterCard. I had everyone except for American Express. I was afraid of them. And so I didn't do American Express. <laughs> they was they, they was wanting their money up front. And so I was like, oh no, I'm going to need you to give me them 30 days. So I just wanted to really talk about credit card debt because people, yeah. like you said, they're going nowhere. But people don't understand that as you're paying for them, you're also paying mm -hmm. interest. And speaking of interest, give me a little snippet about compound interest. And you talked a little bit about saving and the money that we, you know, when we're putting it away, we know the bank is not a good place. Talk to me a little bit about a little bit about uh, yeah, compound interest. interest is a, it's an interesting concept. You know, if if we understand how money works the better we will will feel about saving and, and, and saving and having a strategy, whether that strategy is going to be a short-term, mid-term, mm -hmm. or even long-term. You know, short-term is anywhere between one and, and five years, mid-term between five and, you know, and, and, and 10 years. And then long-term is, is longer, you know, 10 years and longer. Mm -hmm. You know, time time is money. You know, mm -hmm. money saved today is so worth more than money saved tomorrow, right? And and not saying that you can't save today because mm -hmm. it's never too late. It's never too late to save. 
but you can take advantage of earning something and, and what that, and what is that something that's interest, right? Interest on the dollar, you know, you've mm-hmm. done your, you've done your job. And so, and so one just can't earn just simple interest. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to look at interest and in compounding, right? You know, having that interest compound on top of that interest compound on top of that interest year over year over year. Right. So earning mm-hmm. interest on, on your on your deposits daily, mm-hmm. monthly, yearly is key. The month the, the money you put to work today has the potential to earn more interest than money you, you put to work tomorrow. Right. That's that's you know, that's 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 a crazy word. Time. Time, time is money because it has more time to grow. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, those who understand how money works never want to mm-hmm. waste a single day of earning that potential interest. So time is money. Mm-hmm. You know, you know mm-hmm. how the wealthy think they they know time is money and knowing saving is important, but more importantly, how to save. Mm-hmm. Right. So compounding is key. Building that fu- mm-hmm. that financial future. Yes. So that- let me ask you, you just made a, a comment about the wealthy and how they think and how they save money. Um, because one of the things they are not afraid to do is spend money either. And because we see that they spend largely, um, but not largely as in quantity, mm-hmm. they spend largely in quality. But when you're talking about um, the mindset, because we also know that people can be afraid of money and how it works and all of that. And then when you start telling me that I need to save money, then I'm thinking, well, how am I going to buy groceries and how am I going to do all of that? So that also works into that. But when you talked about rich people knowing how to think about their money and how it's looking when it's being saved, go a little bit more deeper for me, if you can, about the mindset of the wealthy as it relates to money and putting it into mm-hmm, a place mm-hmm. where it can well, work for Well, let me just um, go to, to one of my, my favorite financial quotes, and it is from, um, from Dr. Connolly and, and uh, Don Connolly. And that quote is, doctors know needles hurt. They give shots nonetheless. Why? Because they know that a little bit of discomfort up front leads to miracles down the road, mm-hmm. right? And so we need to get out of the mindset mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. need to start thinking about saving. It's going to be a little bit discomfortable for us. It's going to put us outside of our comfort zone. But in the long run, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Miracles happen. And so that's what, what happens when, when, when individuals know how money works, the wealthy, right? I don't know if I sure if you guys know that mm-hmm. um, we, as, as a culture, and excuse me, the, the Black community, we are about 270 years behind mm-hmm. building wealth compared to our, our counterparts. Mm-hmm. So in other words, mm. it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna take us no, two hundred and seventy years to even catch up if they decide to stop saving. So, so the important mm. thing is, is that yes, Thea, when the wealthy thinks about spending money, they think about however it's gonna build that value and build that net worth. We're so a lot of times we're so concerned about getting the next mm. car getting the next pair of shoes, getting the, the mm-hmm. next best diamond, 
you know, mm-hmm. diamonds can be a fortune for sure. But, mm-hmm. but we have to come to, to grips and understand that some of those things, they, they do have its place. We have to put them in perspective. And so when you're thinking about whether to save, where mm-hmm. it's going to add value to your family's net or generate that wealth in your family, consider you know, those things before you go out and spend mm-hmm. th- on things that's not of value. Mm. So then in the, in the mindset of the rich, then for the wealthy, they're thinking, okay, I may go out and buy this shoe, but they're also going to say at the end of the day, I may be able to put this shoe mm-hmm. out on eBay or put it somewhere and get some money back. Or are they thinking, I'm just going to buy this shoe. I don't care if I get money back or not. I'm going to enjoy it. I mean, because we know we need these things, but I do know that they pay or some of them pay a lot of money for things like that, the shoe and, and the, the hair and the, the stuff. But how are they looking at it as something that they can get something back mm-hmm. from yeah. it when it's a yeah, daily expense? It's just a matter of um, understanding and knowing that they have an end goal in mind, right? They, 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 we know that in order to get to a certain level or to, to get to a, a place in life, then we need to know what we need to do now to get to that particular point. So, so because of that, because they purchase these particular mm-hmm. things, they have an end in mind. They have an end goal in mind. This particular shoe is going to bring me so much value because mm-hmm. I need, you know, a, a million dollar to $5 million estate mm-hmm. by the time I am ready to retire, sit down, right? So that it can build my, my, my generational wealth for my children's children to come, right? And so, and so, um, who is it? Um, there are mil- there are billionaires who just drive around in these these clunky little cars, right? But in the mm-hmm. back of their mind is like, I'm, I'm, you know, right. whatever decision, whatever money money making decisions I make, it's going to be for the benefit of my family, of my net worth, and my generational generations to come, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard for some folks to think about me, me, me in, right. in, the, in the now, because they're always having something behind or an intent, intention mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what is the end goal, you know, for you and your family. Mm-hmm. You know, you brought, I'm glad you brought that up and then I'll get to the next question. I remember it was, it it shocked me when Roseanne Barr was at the top. Um, for those of you that don't know who ropes Roseanne is, she used to have a show, a syndicate show, and she was a comedian. She started as uh, started out as a uh, stage comedian, and then she ended up getting her own show called Roseanne. And then as the years progressed, she kind of just came off the scene. And then le- recently, she's been in um, the within the last five years, she's been in the media saying some inappropriate stuff, but. Roseanne, I remember her being um, <clears throat> being very proud that although she was making millions of dollars, that she still shopped at Target. And I remember that because it it shocked me that she would be willing to disclose, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. where she was spending her money frugally. 
Um, and because I do know that she's got land. I do know she's got some things. Cause I, I when I hear about people doing mm-hmm. stuff like that, I'm always trying to figure out what the mindset is behind why they're doing it. And then why do they feel like it's significant to share it? And the lesson I learned from her sharing that was I made me rich, but here's how I know how to save my money. And that means I'm not going to go out and spend $3,000 on one pair of pants. And African-Americans are very good at showing up with $3,000 stuff or $400 stuff, then they are living in a home that's dilapidating and a car that they can't even get to, to work with. And so that's, I was just throwing that out there that I really want us as people of color to be mindful that what you said, Kitty, is right. We have to stop that self-gratification. Right. And it's not as easy as mm-hmm. we think it is. It has to be some kind of practice that we put in place to understand that if you save or, or wait yeah. now, then it will pay off later. And then we get hit with that one thing. Well, life's short. I should go ahead and spend yeah, it all. You exactly. know, we got you know we look for justification to make all kind of bad decisions. Well, life may be short and you may not be I'm go be able to hear be here to spend Mm-mm. it or whatever, but when you're dead it won't matter. So just remember that that when you're dead, all what's happening with your money or no money, it, it ain't got nothing to do with you. You're gone. So at least while you're here be able to make some decisions that may not necessarily bless you while you're here. But what about the wealth that we're advised? If you believe in the mm-hmm. Bible, what are about right. the wealth right. that exactly. we're advised to mm-hmm. leave our children? So, yeah, no, that was thank great. You for that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move thank on you. to the next question. Unless you have something else to say about that, Kitty, did you? Okay. So um, there's a particular rule that I came upon or stumbled upon um, in the book, uh, that we that you introduced me to, and it's called the Rule of Seventy Two. Kind of break it well, down. For to starters, us. what is the rule? The rule of Seventy Two was never taught when we were growing up in in middle school, nor high school, nor college. Have you guys ever heard of the Rule of Seventy Two mm-hmm. while you're going? Right. <laughs> there. This is another, book, another way that the wealth <laughs> think about money. Right. And it's just not in our in our communities a lot, a lot of times. Right. Mm. So the rule of 72 is a very simple mathematical equation. It was created many, many moons ago by Albert Einstein. And you know how what a genius that guy was. Right. So it helps Mm. us understand how long it takes for our Mm -hmm. funds to double, given a fixed annual rate of interest. So if you, so, so for an example, Mm. interest that you're getting from your local bank. Now, you know, the local bank in your savings account where your checking account is less Mm -hmm. than 1%, you know, but for simple math, let's just do 1%. So let's say you're doing, getting 1% Mm. from the bank that they're, you know, that, that, that the bank is giving you and you take that 72 and divide it by one. What number do you get, Sia? Taking 72 mm-hmm. and divided by one. 72, right? Gwen, you get the same thing? 72. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So think about your $100 mm-hmm. sitting in your bank, getting mm-hmm. an annual compounding rate of mm-hmm. interest for one per- uh, at 1%. How long will it take that $100 to double mm-hmm. with a 1% rate of interest? It's going to take, oh. right, it's going to take 
longer than it's I'm willing take to wait. It's going to take 72 years, girls. <laughs> and it's just too You long. know, to, for that $100 to double to $200. Oh, my goodness. So we have to be smart with our savings and how to save, mm. right? Now, as you know, during the life of our of our um, saving years prior to retirement, mm. we need to realize that, you know, our funds mm-hmm. have got to double some kind of way. And so sitting in a savings account for longer periods right. of time is not a way to do it. You have to get into something that's paying a little bit higher mm-hmm. rate of return, you know, a double digit rate of return, right? And so if you take like 72 okay. and divide it by 12, you know, what is, what is that? Right. So your funds can double mm, every six, six years. years. So in the That's market, the when we are investing in the market, the stock market, the S&P 500, mm. the NASDAQ, the index, all those particular entities, when we are investing in the market, on average, you know, we've been getting 10.5% rate of return over the last 30, 40 years, right? Mm-hmm. And so within your time of accumulating your mm-hmm. wealth and on the backside of that, the building that generational wealth, your funds can double several times throughout that lifetime. You know, it will take about seven years for your funds to double if you're getting a 10.5% rate of return, mm. right? So, so hmm Yeah. But the mm, only way a lot of times for us too. to get that double digits is to mm-hmm. really invest, you know, in the market uh, or, or a way to get some kind of double digit rate of return more so than that single digit rate of return. So going back to your rule of 72, you know, it can always give you an idea of what type of interest rate you need to reach a certain goal for retirement. For example, if you know how many years you have left to save before retiring, Okay. Simply take that 72 and divide it by the number of years you have left. Okay. So, so see, if you have 10 years to retire, right, and you divide that by mm-hmm. 72, then you know you need to have an interest, mm-hmm. a rate of mm-hmm. return or interest of at least 7.2%, right? So in order for us to know where we're going to mm-hmm. go, where we're trying to get to, okay. just like planning a trip. Right. So if you know where you want to go, then you need to know what you need to do now to get to that particular point. And understanding how the rule of 72 works can help you get there. Right. Okay. Okay. That's actually really good. So to break it down in layman's terms, if I divide 72 by the interest rate, Mm-hmm. then that's going to give me the number of years exactly. that it will take my yeah, money to exactly. double. And, and, and if you think about that's it, the, the rule of 72 can, can, can work for you and it can also work to get against you. So for example, let's talk, let's talk about, you know, um, your credit <laughs> cards, see Right. Those credit cards on average, what about 18, okay. 22, 23%, mm-hmm. right. Rate of return, uh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Twelve yeah, percent. My lowest one, I think, well, that's is good. I think now, my lowest one right we now just is twelve percent. Those, those line lowest. of creditors that's mm-hmm. out there after we graduate from college, you know, they're just throwing credit cards at us, right? You know, I yeah. personally, to be transparent as well, too, um, Sia. You know, when I graduated from yep. college, I mean, I was right there. It's like, oh, they giving us free credit. Oh, 
oh, okay, I didn't know that until you realize that you have to pay that stuff back and go into possibly bankrupt. <laughs> and so at that particular time back in the 80s, yes, the interest rate right. was high. You know, we're paying 27%, you know, rate of uh, interest rate. And so now, now think yes. about it. Now the banks is only that banks are only giving you well on average the bank is giving you zero point zero nine percent of your savings, right? But they're charging you twenty seven percent interest. Now, if you take mm-hmm, seventy two mm-hmm. and divide it by by twenty seven, it's taking those banks, those mm-hmm, financial mm-hmm. institutions, you know, a couple years, four years or so to have those funds double for them, and they're only giving you. 0.09% on your money, on your investment. Yeah. Who does that, right? <laughs> oh, Wayne. <laughs> Who does that? The That's banking a good question. The financial institutions. That? So we can, that rule oh 72 can goodness. be really a good tool to plan and be and work for mm-hmm. you, but it can also work against you in terms of really realizing, oh mm-hmm. my God, the bank is taking my five hundred dollars and it's doubling for them because they're in the market of two, you know, getting a two percent rate of return and it's doubling for them. And then they take that mm-hmm. money and they still they still they still lend it out on cars, on homes, you know, getting four or six percent, right? You know, so it's just basically really mm-hmm. understanding mm-hmm. and putting things in perspective. And making mm-hmm. sure that you have the tools in place, the education in place to think differently in how you are saving and really what that rule of 72 means and stands for. If we would have known the rule of 72 when we were in school, even grade school, our, our savings accounts, you know, we would be million dollar babies or two mm-hmm. by the time we reach, you know, 65, you know, retirement age. Right. You're right. Ooh, we. You said the key thing, uh, Kitty, you said the key thing. That education is something else. One of the worst statements I ever heard coming up was Mm. if you ever want to keep something from a black person, put it in a book. And then they changed. And now it's they're saying, if you ever want any child right now, because none of them want to read, because they're all stuck on the digital world. If you want to keep anything from our children, put it in a book. And you're right. All the knowledge in the world that I would have been ha- would have had access to about money wouldn't have ever been given to me because of the gap of the education that we're given or not given yeah. as people of color. Yeah. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for bringing that up. I appreciate the fact that we're having an opportunity to shine the light on this right. because what people don't understand right. is if you mm-hmm. don't get it yeah. for yourself, nobody's going to get it for you. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. It's just impossible. <laughs> okay. Well, got one last question. Gwen, did you want to add anything? I see you thinking, girl. You thinking, you thinking. I'm always, I'm I always know, thinking, I always know. have my pen in hand. <laughs> um, and I was just thinking, so yes, to answer your question, what came to mind is, you know, how we were talking about, you know, when we were younger, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't taught these things, you know, we weren't mm-hmm. given these tools. And as we've gotten you know, older, we've sort of, you know, at least from my perspective or my uh, life, I've had to to learn, try to find the, you know what I'm saying, try to figure it out. And so it just makes me think about, you know, my young adult children, 
um, what advice can be given to, you know, this, these 19, 20 year olds who are, you know, starting out, you know, getting their first credit card, things like that. I'm really interested in like, you know, the best advice we can give these young adults in how to build wealth, how and where to even save, like, mm. what would you say to, to that audience? You know, just some, and mm. just some, like some first steps, because, you know, they, they are the ones too that struggle with instant gratification, right? They want it now. And so developing that mindset mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. you know, I won't say struggle, but, you know, sacrifice a little now mm -hmm. for greater mm -hmm. later, mm -hmm. right? That's hard for a lot of young people, right? Because they want what they want when they want it, which is now. Mm -hmm. And so what mm -hmm. advice would you give our young adults yeah. on yeah, know, the building and managing credit, um, building as starters, that, you know, just kind of wealth, helping them you know? understand, you know, that. what what that means and what that looks like. It is a cool math trick, you know, it's it's a practical eye opener that forces, you know, us to ask those screw questions before making important money decisions. And, and some of those questions could be like, um, you know, what type of higher interest accounts still provide, you know, adequate safety? Can I refinance or can I finance my, my car loan, my mortgage with a, with a lower interest? Mm. You know, will the financial institution managing my money earn more interest than I will? Will I get enough doubles, you know, during my income earning years? to reach my savings goal for retirement? Mm. You know, if not, what do I need to change? And so to ask those particular questions and to be a little bit more savvy in terms of what is your goal, right? And, and, and helping them understand that, yes, it, it's nice to have those, those things. You know, it's good to look good, but do you always have to constantly spend that much? Can we ask the question of, about, well, is this something that I really need? You know, I already have, mm. you know, five pairs of Jordans, you know, do I really need to have the newest Jordan, you know, right now? Can I put that $200 away to have a higher compounding interest that's going to provide me the goals that I'm looking for in the future? And so, yes, the, the millennials, they don't really understand well, millennials are very, they're very savvy, actually. Um, they're, they're, they're very, very savvy. And so they're really holding on to their savings. Now, the, the thing mm -hmm. is, they're holding mm -hmm. on those savings in, in, in institutions that's really not providing the, the, the rate of return that they need to, to build, to get to that particular million, two million by the time they reach retirement age. So, so yeah, it's, it's very important. They're very, very, um, they're astute in terms of saving. That's, that's what I have found, you know, nowadays. Now it's just we need to direct them to, to understand where to put yeah. those funds so that you yeah, can take true. advantage of a higher rate of return and to build that retirement, retirement wealth and build that generational wealth. So basically, uh, you're saying that they have the the idea that saving is beneficial, but they just they need do. to know the how and how it's going to help them later mm -hmm. and not necessarily um, what they're doing right now is going to be beneficial when they get ready to retire. You're right, Kitty. Uh, that millennial oh, nice. mindset is something something else. And, and I'm glad you brought it up. We're actually going to do an episode 
about the millennials yep. mind. And I know some, several of them are actually millionaires because they are also risk takers. And what they'll do with their money is they'll put it in the stock. And then once the stock hits, they take it out, but they're not, they're not savvy enough to know, you know, you leave a certain amount in so that you can, you know, do whatever you need to do. Some of them are just cashing out and talking about I'm a millionaire and I'm, I'm retiring. And so, because they're, that instant gratification for them can be, you know, the, the end all be all, which they forget. You still got to get up and breathe and keep living, which means if you're spending, yeah, then it's exactly. depleting. And mm -hmm. so how do you continue to make that thing happen over and over and over again? So thank mm -hmm. you for pointing that out. I have, um, I have my last question here, and uh, we're winding down on time. I, I kind of want you to leave us with about three or four nuggets. What are two? What are three or four milestones that mm -hmm. we should strive or try to yeah, create for, for starters, to address um, our and Gwen is really the education piece. Success. You know, understanding financial literacy, understanding how money works. You know. And um, just like we're doing today, you know, we're having this roundtable discussion and, and, um, and knowing that, you know, what it takes to get your particular goal that you're looking for. And so when you're thinking about, you know, a nugget and planning your financial, securing that financial future, you want to think uh, of having a, a very strong, you know, a financial future that, that it kind of reminds us of building a financial house. Um, you know, in, in, instead of thinking of a, um, instead of just building a house, think about when you're building that house, think about the financial mm -hmm. house. Now, we can divide that financial house in three different categories, right? It's the protection, the accumulation, the preservation. You know, you can always start, we always start with the foundation of that house. Now, that, that, that foundation is like your, your mud, your concrete, your brick. Right to hold that house up, those in, in that foundation, those are like your um, your wills, your trusts, um, your insurance products. You know, all are very important, but it's not likely to be featured in the your daily news feed. You know, because mm -hmm. you're, you're getting dirty, you're just starting out. You know, and you want that house to be stable. You don't want it to crumble down on you. And so the second piece of that financial house is a middle piece of that house. It's just like your, your, your drywall, your, your framing, right? The painting. Those are the most exciting pieces. You see things are going, they're moving, right? This is your accumulation stage, right? It's, it's, a, it's about building that retirement income. It's about risk diversification. It's about tax diversification, just growing those assets, you know, you're going to have the ups and downs, but hopefully more so ups than downs. And then the last piece of the financial house, Thea and Gwen, is really the, the roof. That's the preservation. That's where you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. It's no longer stocking it away, doing the middle part of your house or the foundation of your house. Now it's about enjoying a lifetime stream of income that's going to be guaranteed to you to ensure that it's not going to run out of income while you are in retirement, right? And you want to make sure that when you're in this stage, the, the roof of that house, you want to make sure that your assets are going to be transferred the way that you want them to be transferred so that your family don't have to go through the courts or through the probate and for them to decide how your assets are going to be transferred. Mm. And so that 
that rule of that preservation is also a very important key while you're in retirement or right before you get into retirement. So, so I would take those particular three things, your, 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 um, your foundation, your, you know, the framing of your house, the roof of your house, which includes protection, accumulation, and your preservation. Thank you, Kitty. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. I like that. That was absolutely beautiful. It is something that cannot be displaced in stone and just kind of set and left alone. It's a mm-hmm. process because your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, life, it changes on us every day. So you want to make sure mm-hmm. that you have a good sound strategy, whether it's the offensive, defensive, or combination of both in your financial mm-hmm. future, securing that financial future. And so with that, you know, speaking with, you know, an advisor or even a confidant of yours, you know, having someone along that journey with you. So that you can make those adjustments, you know, you may decide today that, well, you know what, I think I can live off of, um, you know, $10,000 a month in retirement. Uh, but then a couple of years ago, a co- couple of years ago along, it's like, well, I really don't need that much money, right? Uh, you know, because most of my debt is taken care of, you would think, by the time you retire. But, but that's kind of changing a little bit, too, because we're still having our mortgages. Mm-hmm. The kids are still coming back to live with us. <laughs> The adult mm-hmm. kids, right? <laughs> so, so you want yeah, to adjust your strategies as life progresses, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, when you have an advisor <laughs> such as myself, yes. I'm meeting my clients, you know, if if not, you know, on a quarterly basis, semi quarter, at least once a year, to make those adjustments, just to make sure that you're still on track to reaching your goals. So, so speaking with someone, having that confidence, trusted confidence, you know, mm-hmm. aside along with you. To, to build that fi- and secure that financial future and just know that it is a journey. You know, it is a journey. All right. Well, thank you, Kitty, so much for joining us. I appreciate this. This has been some great information. Gwen, thank you for being willing to chime in as well and ask a <laughs> question. I thank you for your, I always love to, to hear your feedback because you think you're, we're the yin and the yang. I'm thinking all, you know, creative and out the box and all over the place. And you kind of streamline us and go, let's just focus. And so thank you for that. Um, but just to recap, for those of you that um, are catching us later, um, we talked about the history of money. We talked about the financial mindset. We talked about good debt versus bad debt. Talked about compound interest, the rule of 72. And then the last thing, Kitty provided us a couple of milestones that we could actually tap into to help our financial journey be a successful one. So um, once again, just want to let everybody know that the notes in, will be provided for this particular episode. I'm really glad that you all came um, it's, or you're listening to us today. And we're really excited about doing more uh, as it relates to what's going to be beneficial for everybody involved. Gwen, you got any parting words? Absolutely. No, I think this was just another great conversation. Thank you so much to our guests for joining us. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, my takeaway uh, from this conversation is that I need to meet with you when I uh, get to Denver <laughs> for my visit. <laughs> Look, lead by example. <laughs> Look. I need to talk. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so you definitely sound like someone that I need in my life to uh, help me strategize my my financial uh, future and things like that. But I appreciate you, you so much for so joining very much. us. Have a good um, afternoon. And that's it for uh, this uh, week's conversation, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, you take care. See y'all. 
that's it for this week's conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss one single episode. And if you want to connect with us more and join in some post-episode dialogues, join us in our Facebook group. Thanks again for joining me, Gwen, and my girl, Sia, on this week's episode of Talkative Soul. And until next time, do something this week with intention that talks to your soul. Mm-hmm.